0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Father, we thank you for the power of cancelled sin found in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the word he speaks, which is life. And we pray that you would help us to listen tonight and to find life in him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you sit down, it would be helpful if you turn back to Matthew chapter 7, and we'll consider those verses together. A few a few months ago now at university, I met a, a Cypriot man, and we met to have coffee in one of the cafes at the university. It was, a, it was a great time we had with him. It's a great job that I've got to be able to go and have coffee with people at the university. And as good as it was there was something which was quite disturbing about it as well. Because the Cypriot man was scandalised by the message which I spoke to him. He found it offensive that I could say that not everyone will go to heaven. He was offended by that thought. Indeed, it goes against much of contemporary society to say that not everyone will go to heaven. A society in which it's wrong to say anything negative about anyone else's religious belief. Similarly, I had a a conversation with a man earlier in the year who was offended when he came to Lighthouse, our student teaching, on a Sunday. When we were teaching through uh, uh, John's Gospel, uh, and we got to the bit where it says some go to life and others to judgment. He was offended by that. He couldn't believe that we could be so intolerant. Well, in that light, tonight's message will be offensive. The talk will be scandalous. Listen again to, to Jesus' words that we read in Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road to lead, that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus is saying here that not everyone will find life. Most will go to destruction, he says. His way, the narrow way, is the only way. And that's offensive to people. But don't think this is some kind of new teaching. Uh, The 39 articles of the Church of England, which were written in the 16th century, uh, to try and summarize what biblical faith is like, Article 18 says this, I've updated the language a little bit. It says, those who presume to say that every person shall be saved by the rule of life, religion or sect that he professes provided he makes diligent efforts to live by that rule and the light of nature must be regarded as accursed. For Holy Scripture declares to us that it is only in the name of Jesus Christ that men must be saved. That's offensive to our modern society. It sounds very intolerant. To say someone, however sincere they are in their belief, is going to face destruction is intolerant. Well, there's going to be more tonight because I'll be saying something even more offensive, I think. And that is if we're going to be faithful here to what Jesus is saying, then we will need to believe it. And if you believe it, you'll be considered narrow by people, people will call you narrow minded. Now, we don't want to be called narrow, do we? Narrow-minded. Yet, accept what Jesus is saying and people will say about you that you're a narrow-minded, fundamentalist bigot. Now as we go through, we'll see that that's not the case. But people will think it of you. It's one reason why people will persecute you and insult you and falsely say all kind of evil against you. And so the question is, why would you open yourselves up to this kind of a life? You see, if we drop this view, life would be much easier. So why do we continue to teach it and preach it? Why do we call people to believe it? Well, the most important thing to see that in these verses, there is two routes and two destinations. Two routes and two destinations. You see, many people today will say all roads lead to God. All roads lead to eternal life. All routes end up in the same destination in the end. And so we can't claim to have exclusive rights to tell people the right way. So they would say many routes, one destination. Now, in many ways, it's encompassed in a Roman Catholic doctrine of anonymous Christians. They say that even if you're not a Christian you may be saved through the sincere practice of your religion. All routes lead to God, they say. And yet look again at chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. There is two routes. There is the route through the wide gate and along the broad road, and there is the route through the small gate and along the narrow road. And they don't lead to the same place. The broad road, verse 13, see where it leads? It leads to destruction. It's not a road to nowhere, it's a road to destruction. And it's not just saying that people will cease to exist. What it means is that, as one commentator puts it, there will be an eternal plunge into Hades and a hopeless destiny of death. It's speaking of an end in hell. You see, the broad road leads to an end which is awful. So can you see why we must make sure people are on the right track? Two roads lead to different places. The broad road is a highway to destruction. On the other hand, the narrow road is a road that leads to life, the kingdom of the heavens. It leads to God. It leads to eternal life. There can't be uh, more starkly different destinations. And it's crucial to see this. It really does matter what route people are on. You see, Jesus provides here a really strong warning to people. And we need to heed that there are serious consequences if you're on the wrong route. You see, are you on a road to an eternal plunge into Hades or on a road to eternal life? That's the stark warning before us here. And so you see why it matters. Two completely different destinations. Now as I say that, some of you will hear me creating a barrier, thinking that I'm somehow standing in the path and stopping some people. uh, Creating a wall to stop them getting into heaven. I walked past um, the Unitarian building in town the other day. And on the notice board they had a, a poster up which simply said, building bridges not walls. You see, in their eyes, what I'm saying today would be creating a wall. What Jesus says here is just creating a wall. Rather, they want to welcome all religious seekers. And yet, look again at what Jesus is saying. Look how he starts. Because he's not about excluding people. Do you see what he says, verse 13? Enter through the narrow gate. It's a command, it's an exhortation. Jesus is warning of the danger. There's only two destinations, destruction or life. And he's showing us the way is open to eternal life. He's not trying to spoil your life. He's trying to save you. I wonder whether some of you remember the 12th of December 1984. Um, I don't particularly. um, But apparently on that date, the M5 near Godstone in Surrey was shrouded in fog. Uh, so, and and uh, one of the lorries going through that day was uh, full of huge um, drums of paper. And that lorry crashed onto the motorway there. And in the fog, car after car plunged into that uh, lorry which was crashed. Now one of the first squad cars there, the first police that arrived in the scene, went back up the carriageway to try and stop people. And the policemen stood on the side of the motorway, shouting at people at the tops of their voices, trying to stop them as they saw cars going past and then thud as they crashed into the lorry. They took to trying to throw traffic cones through the windscreens of the cars to try and get them to stop, and yet the cars kept on ploughing past them in thud. Were the policemen trying to spoil the motorists' day that day? You see, Jesus warns us here not to spoil our day, but so that we can find life. You see, there's only two destinations and we need to make sure we're on the right way. We need to be sure of what's going to lead us to destruction and what's going to lead us to life. Well, let's consider what will lead us to life. What is the route that leads to life? We'll see in verse 14... It's through the, narrow, the small gate and along the narrow road. And this is the way of being humbled and served listeners of Jesus. It's the way of being humbled and served listeners of Jesus. Now notice that it is the only way to life here. It's, the, the small gate is the only way into it. And you have to go through this gate to get onto the way. And, and the picture here is of something being a bit of a squish to get through. It's confining, it's restricted It's tight It's like the turnstiles at a football ground I don't know if you've ever tried to go through There's a rucksack on your back And it's kind of a bit of a squeeze to get through and You see, that's the way in It's through this narrow way, this small gate And to understand that We just need to remember what we've been seeing All the way through the Sermon on the Mount Remember that we've seen time and again That we need to be those who are humbled Those of the kingdom of God recognize their need of Him. We'll turn back to the Beatitudes in chapter 5 and we'll see it. In those first few Beatitudes, we see what it means, what humble people are like. You see it in verse 3 Blessed are the poor in spirit. Verse 4 Blessed are those who mourn. Verse 5 Blessed are the meek. Verse 6 Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You see, here described in the beginning of the Beatitudes are people who have nothing. People who know they have a need and find that need met. You see, those who enter through the small gate have to be humbled. Which is why it's so precious when we read the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of Matthew 28... You remember that the the rest of the gospel takes Jesus to his death on the cross... ...and then his resurrection. And it's only then that we realize how the humbled are made rich. How they can find life. You see, the Beatitudes help us to see that we have nothing to give. We realize that we have nothing. We realize that actually all we have is our sinfulness. We've got our rotting garments. Yet because of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus... We can be served and given life. You see, you can do nothing to get onto this way. Jesus has done it all. And now the humbled are served. And we'll sing shortly at the end of the service of this grace that is shown to us. That paid for our sins and brought us to life. We will sing that the cross is the most glorious thing we can think of. And when we see it, our efforts are worth nothing before it. This is how Charles Simeon puts it. He says, a man must have seen the evil and danger in his former way. And he must come to Christ who is the door. And renouncing every other hope, he must cleave to Christ with full purpose of heart. Let's be entirely clear. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that you can do to earn eternal life. You must be humbled and served by Jesus. That's the way in. You deserve destruction. You see, it goes against all our thinking, though, doesn't it? We expect to have to do something to get something. We expect the rich people to be able to get whatever they want. But the gospel shows us that the exact opposite is the case. That we need to be humbled and to receive And so the gate is the the humble dependence and the way then is hard because it means listening to the Lord Jesus and listening well. You remember right the way through this whole sermon we've been exhorted to listen to Jesus. We've listened when Jesus says, you've heard it said before but I tell you. And we've been listening closely to Jesus, listening to what it means to follow him, to be those who are clinging to him And we've seen that we'll we'll seek to be reconciled with brothers. We'll not be unfaithful. We'll tell the truth. We'll respond rightly to persecutions. We'll be light in the world. And when we fail, we'll be humbled again and be served by Jesus and put back on on the path. We'll also be those who give and who pray and who fast and who build treasure in heaven and not worry and not seek to be back in God's place again. All because we want to maintain this relationship with our Heavenly Father. You see, we're going to listen to Jesus' teaching. And when we fail, we'll be humbled again and put back on the path, served again by the Lord Jesus. And notice that the way is not easy. It's a hard way. The way is difficult. The word difficult, the word narrow, actually, is a word that could be related to affliction. You see, the way it will lead to hardship and persecution. And it may well be a lonely path, You see what Jesus says in verse 14? Only a few find it. Now, it's great tonight when we've got everybody here around us, and yet tomorrow morning when you're back at school in the class, it's not easy. Or when you're in the office and you're all alone, it's just you, it's not easy. When you're in the pub with your colleagues and you're the only Christian there, it's not easy. The way is hard and the way is lonely. You see, we go on clinging to Christ, being devoted to him, striving with single-mindedness to do that. And it's not partial repentance. It's not divided trust or reserved obedience. It's wholehearted clinging to Christ. So let me remind you of this call by the Lord Jesus. Take the narrow route. Enter through the narrow gate. Jesus wants you to go that way, and the way is open for you to go. And as you go, keep humbly holding to Christ and listening to Him. Call others onto this road because it's the road to life. Well, if that's what Jesus wants us to do, what is the broad route? What is the wide gate and the broad road? You see it in there in verse 13, and the the picture of this uh, wide gate and broad road is just something being big. It's wide, it's spacious. You needn't bump into anyone on this route. You might imagine it being a bit like a a 35-lane motorway. The ESV says it's an easy road. That's not necessarily what it means. It really just means it's big, it's spacious. There's no restriction on this road. Anyone can get onto it. In fact, in fact, because of our natural bent as sinners, it's easy for us to take this route. You see, it doesn't come naturally to admit that we are wrong and to come looking for help. Well, there's a number of ways that we could look at what this road is like. In one way, you could say it's the, the view when everybody says, everyone's welcome, there's no restriction. Anybody can Come. You know, the, the all-comers-are-welcome broad path. I was speaking to a, a Christian leader in this city a, a few uh, months ago, and, and he expressed this very view to me. Uh, they'd been doing a questionnaire to find out what people's spirituality was like, you know, asking questions such as, do you pray? Do you spend time alone? Do you go on pilgrimage? Uh, do you meditate? And the, the, the respondents then got feedback which would tell them what their spirituality was like and then they could meet up for a discussion on it where they could explore some more of what their spirituality was like. But you see, the point was, it didn't matter what your spirituality was for him. It was to be encouraged. There was nothing about helping people to see their need of Jesus and be humbled before him and served by him. I asked him about challenging people's practice and pointing them to Christ. And it was just met with a blank and quizzical look. You can't possibly do that, in his view. You see, that view, it sounds so good to welcome everybody, but it doesn't help people to be served by Jesus and listen to him. Wide is the gate and broad the path that leads to destruction. I had a, a similar conversation with uh, my, my last boss when I was a physio. He was looking into caring for our brain-injured patients spiritually. And I was trying to help him to see that the only route was through Jesus. He's the only way to get to heaven. And and in the course of the discussion, I gave him a book that had taken me a long time to read. And he read it in the same night and came back the next day to me. And he said, now I understand where, where our difficulty is. You've got your dogma worked out, he said. I'm trying to work mine out for myself. It was as if he was saying to me, you've bought a ready meal. I'm just buying all the ingredients and putting it together myself. But you see, it's not being humbled before the Lord Jesus and being served. It's doing stuff yourself for your religion. And it seems so attractive to have those sentiments. But just because it seems natural doesn't mean that it's right. Just because there's lots of people on the motorway with you doesn't mean that you're on the right track. Jesus says in verse 13, there's lots of people on this path to destruction. You see, truth is not found in appealing to the majority of society. We're not being kind by slapping somebody on the back and saying, nice trip, have a good time. The narrow route is the way to life. Well, there's the welcomers of all views and all paths. And yet the immediate focus probably of Jesus teaching here was the Pharisees. They had defined their own religion for themselves. Funnily enough, they were quite restrictive in their view on this broad path. They they will have been the the middle lane hoggers, pretending that there wasn't anybody else in the motorway with them, unaware that there was anybody there. They were blinkered. And what was it about them? Well, they were hypocrites. We've seen it time and again. They were play actors. Do you remember they stood on street corners to pray? so that people could see them from two different streets and think, how good are they? They play act of religiosity. They give extravagantly, and if you were there, you would have known about it. No, they show you their religiosity, yet they're hypocrites. They look religious, but pay no regard to Christ. They will stand before him and say, look how much I have done. I've given, I've prayed in the synagogues, I fasted six times a week, and I made sure people knew about it. It's as if they will hurl the scroll of their good deeds, their good religious deeds at the feet of God and say, look at what I've done. They've missed the point. You see, the broad way doesn't necessarily mean that it's an easy way. It's just big. And these Pharisees thought to complete their own religion. And yet Jesus says their religion was false. Remember in 520 what he says? For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, are you trying to tot up your religious achievements to present before God? I wonder whether that may well be our danger at times. See, rather than encouraging each other to be humbly served by Jesus for the forgiveness of sins... We set before them a list of activities to do. You now, if you to be a Christian, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And so we try to tot up how many X's and Y's and Z's we've done to present before God. You see, the narrow road is by being humbled and served by Jesus, not encouraging people to work hard. Well, there's the all-comers-welcome view, the religious hypocrite, and yet there's also those on the motorway who will just simply try to present their achievements before God, the treasures they've gained. Do you know, I wonder whether many students are on this kind of path. You see, it's the, the teaching that you need to get the best education possible so that you can get the best job, so that you can retire early, so you can have a good life. And in many ways, I find this a real challenge not to teach my children this, because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You see, education will not be their saviour. They need to be humbly served by the Lord Jesus. Now, John Piper describes a couple who uh, took early retirement. You may have heard the story. And they now he they says the story said they lived in Florida where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler and play softball and collect shells. And he says, imagine them standing before God in the great day of judgment, And they say, look, Lord, see my shells? Look at my shells. That's what we do when we think that we're going to present our achievements before God. Look at my shells. It's a tragedy. And we can fool ourselves into thinking that that's what life is all about. Remember Jesus' words, don't store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. Life is about being humble and served and listening to Jesus. You see, naturally we think we can live however we want. And then we can just present that before God. You see, don't get on a path that you think is giving you life, but is actually leading to destruction. You see, all these ways, the all-comers are welcome, do whatever you want, the religious hypocrite, the person who presents their achievements before God, they're all on a path to destruction. And please hear me right when I say that. I'm not sneering. I'm not name-calling. I'm not trying to say that I'm better than you. It's about trying to help people to see that they have a need And that Jesus calls them to enter through the narrow gate. He is urging us tonight to make sure we go through the small gate and along the narrow route. And so tonight, if you've never been served by Jesus before, if you've never realized your need, then make sure you enter through that small gate. The way is free. You can't earn it. There's nothing that you can do. You're not too bad to get onto it. It means realizing your need to be served by Jesus, asking forgiveness, and wholeheartedly clinging to and listening to him. And for those of us who are on that narrow road, stay humble before the Lord, asking and seeking forgiveness from him. Keep realizing you have need, listening to him. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his call for us to enter through the narrow gate. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to heed that call. We thank you that we can enter that way and find life because of the Lord Jesus' death and resurrection. Help us to keep going by being humbly served for the forgiveness of sins and listening to Jesus. And as we speak to people and tell them about this way, we pray that people would see their need of Christ and see the way open for them to find forgiveness and to be on the route of life. And so, Father, we praise you again for the Lord Jesus. And we pray this prayer through his name. Amen.